You're listening to the Multifamily Innovation Show with Patrick Antrim, your source for innovative strategies for multifamily professionals, CEOs, executive leaders, and aspiring leaders that want to drive high-performance results for their property or portfolio. Sherry, how are you? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. And the last time we spoke, I think we were in this format, and I, I feel like we should have connected sooner. But uh, you've been busy. I've been busy. Tell me what you're working on. I've got a few points I want to cover here, but tell me what you're, you're working on. Yes. Oh, your timing is perfect for um, having me on, Patrick, because we have so many exciting updates uh, legislatively that's happening for our industry. And right now, this week and next week, we have um, our industry advocates who are on the Hill virtually this year. Right now, typically, we'd all be in D.C. on Capitol Hill meeting with our, our legislators and Congress on advocating for um, initiatives to help promote housing in our industry. And so um, your, your summit is smack dab right in the middle of it. Awesome. What are you learning, I guess, from that conversation? So this is happening now. So tell me what's the big takeaways here. That's right. It's happening right now. And um, there are many initiatives uh, on, on our ticket right now. But, of course, the, the main, main, main um, issue is rental assistance, um, eviction moratorium, and housing affor- affordability. So I thought that we should talk about those three main uh, key points today. Is that part of the American Rescue Plan too? Is yes. pulling it all that together? Okay. Yes, it is. That's right. We're we're we are um, one year today. One year today uh, marks when uh, the COVID became the pandemic, and um, what a scramble. What a scramble it was for us. This was, well, you probably recall, we started out with um, the eviction moratorium in California. And um, and then many, many states followed where, um, as an industry, we had to scramble to really um, figure out how do we help our, our residents who were impacted by COVID? What do we need to do to help support their um, their rent deferrals and provide resources for them, and so um, that was a big big issue for for all of us um, as operators. Um, in fact, what we had all all the states um, except for six states evicted or um, initiated eviction moratoria, and many of those uh, jurisdictions um, had multiple different restrictions in place. Um, so, um, the, you know, combating, um, the eviction moratorium and supporting our residents was, um, a primary focus for us. But, um, in speaking about the evictions, um, we have really been battling as a country with the mounting, um, debt, the mounting national debt. So it's grown tens of billions of dollars and, has just really been crippling for us. Where are we with the benefits expiring or coming to an end? Is that being renewed? So right now, um, the eviction moratorium in place by the CDC is set to expire on March 31st. And uh, the big question is, will President Biden extend it or not? Um, So we do expect that the moratorium will be extended to June 30th. 
with the Biden administration and the American Rescue Plan, that calls for an extension through September 30th. But we've also heard from Democrats um, that mention, um, and along with the Low Income Housing Alliance and progressives, that um, there's talk about it pushing for December 31. But um, we expect uh, initially the June 30th and possibly through September 30th. We'll have to follow along and see what that is. Uh, there's you know, a lot of great service. I mean, you have your job to do, right? Like you have a day job, right? <laughs> you go to work <laughs> and thrive at every day. Uh, maybe you can give our viewers a little bit of perspective of what your role is uh, inside the organization. And then, because there's two parts to this, what you're doing to serve the industry and stay in tune and then bring that information, I'm sure, back to your 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 investors. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you, you, you look at this. So what we've done as an organization is set up a lot of systems to initially it was to help residents with their rent deferrals. And um, now, what is going to be for us is tracking the rental assistance and, um, and and we'll get into that in just a little bit but what that does is um, we what we need to do is track how our folks are um, applying for it and then um, how that impacts our collections and renewals um, and and so on so it's, it's really challenging. Over the five states that we operate in, we have um, so many different uh, ways that the, the states and cities are implementing uh, the, the program. So um, we, we really have to stay on top of it. Yeah. And, and you were mentioning the rental assistance. How, how does that shape out? Well, for right now, uh, just two hours ago, um, President Biden signed um, the... Uh, $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. And as you know, um, it had passed the Senate on Saturday through what's called a special um, budget reconciliation process. And then it went back through the House on yesterday and just passed. But um, two hours ago, President Biden signed it. And what that means is uh, we're finally going to get the rental assistance that's been so urgently needed uh, for folks. Um, we have $25 billion in rental and utility assistance that's going to be included and $10 billion in mortgage aid. Um, also $5 billion to tackle homelessness. So in that program will be $300 for um, jobless aid supplement. And uh, that was set to expire on March 14th, which is why it was so paramount that President Biden signed this before uh, this week. And the unemployment benefits will run through September. Right, and, good for collection conversation. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. Go ahead. Another part of the rental assistance will be the $1,400 stimulus checks that will help folks who make up to $75,000 and um, also, um, we have already the $25 billion as funds approved through the Consolidated Appropriations Act. And so that will be uh, uh, equating to $2,000 uh, in stimulus checks that will get is issued. So the four, take me through the 1400 again. Is that uh, 
the fourteen hundred dollars stimulus checks will go directly to individuals. Right. And um, what they'll use are their they'll they'll use their tax returns. Um, uh, it'll be automatically distributed. Mm. Well, I'm I'm just trying to think of how the relief gets to the property owner, in terms of uh, the assist, the rental. I, I know that it's giving them. For, I mean, a lot of these residents are further behind, right? Than than even those amounts. So, and then also the priority of how they use the money too, as well. So that's right. So um, we have right now um, the mounting rental debt is up to sixty billion dollars right now. So. Even with um, this this aid, this twenty five billion dollars in rental assistance, it's not enough for for what we need. So, what'll happen now with the rental assistance and how it's being distributed is something that we're watching very very closely. Um, Congress is uh, the intent for the relief is for housing providers to apply on behalf of the residents and um, to create that broad recipient uh, eligibility. But what's happening is the assistance is going to be distributed by the treasury to the state and local agencies. Um, It'll funnel through cities and counties, but there's a lot of variation in how it's being administered. So Mm. housing providers um, are applying on behalf of the residents as long as they have resident permission. So that was the intent for, for the program. But what we're finding is some of the lo- local states and agencies are not allowing housing providers to apl- apply on the residents' behalf. And so what we're needing to ensure is that both um, providers and residents can apply, but that there's a broader eligibility. Um, because we there's a um, Uh, a focus on the program is so that the money goes to the people who are impacted the most and who need it the most. So the priority is 50% of AMI or folks that uh, make below 50% of AMI and have been employed for 90 days. Um, And then there's also a a higher threshold of up to 80% AMI. Um, And so uh, we are, we are watching it closely. Um, what we're doing is encouraging housing providers to find out from their local, state, city, and um, county agencies how the money is being distributed. Get on the list, register. Um, I know in Washington, uh, their registrations are um, beginning to be open, and you have to get re- your your community registered, and then also have the um, approval. You're in a bit of a uh, in California. That's opening March 15th. Um, different states already have been allowing it, and others are um, waiting for just in the middle of the month. But the funds need to be used, um, and you need to apply so that you can ensure your residents are getting getting the assistance that they need. That's great. And so is there guidance on that? Like how to, I mean, there's the reaching out to the local state and finding out how that money is being distributed, but who are you seeing internally that's in charge of handling this? I mean, it sounds like, you know, the treasury department's dispersing all this and it's going to all these different places. You talked about the variations and then, and then there's the, the approval part of it, getting the, the, um, 
acceptance and, and it seems like a, a web of, of things that have to happen. Who, who are you suggesting tackle this? Is it one individual out of the company? Is it well, the actually, that, that's a stipulation, uh, at, at least uh, locally. So these agencies are really, some are more equipped than others to handle this type of an influx. So what they're doing is um, saying, you need to have one representation, one representation of, the, of your organization for your entire uh, region or, or area. So um, each state can deal with one contact at each um, community or, or um, company, and then they could do a mass, uh, a mass request for funds. Mm. So that'll help speed it up as well. They don't want to get bogged down in too many questions or um, different contact folks. So each person, um, each manager or regional manager should find out from their local agency um, which, you know, how the process works. Um, there's a really, really great website um, that the National Low Income Housing um, Association has put on and you can drill down on every state and every um, city on um, how, how the program is uh, or the status of the program. Some are still waiting for guidance and some are already initiating um, the assistance program. The, the organizations you have, the NMHC and NAA, tackling a lot of these challenges, I know they've rallied around great leaders like yourself. Uh, so what, what is the difference between the two organizations and the disciplines, how they come together in fighting that, I guess, on behalf of owners? Well, you know what? That's a really great question. And we have seen, especially through COVID, so many, not only industry um, organizations come together, but property management companies as well. And NAA and NMHC has been an excellent um, uh, example of that. And they um, historically have partnered up on um, initiatives or housing initiatives and strategies for, for consistent messaging. And um, so all of our groups are working together. Um, NAA uh, spearheads the advocacy efforts on, uh, you know, through Advocate, um, but it's all one, one global housing message. And uh, when we're uh, speaking with members of Congress and um, uh, our senators and our legislators, we, we, we definitely use the guidance from, from both of our leaders in, in housing. Yeah, and uh, we've got a, co a question here or from the audience, from Tara. She's saying, uh, the competition for a leadership position in our industry has never been, you know, higher. Uh, nobody would, you know, argue to that point. What key takeaway as past president of the Washington State or Washington Multi-Housing Family Housing Association makes you a good leader at SRG? I love that question. Uh, it's really about having... Um, the passion for our industry. I think sometimes what we do is um, we, we sometimes lose focus of why we're even in this industry to begin with. And it's to improve housing and um, for all, for, for all, all income types. So um, my takeaway is to get involved and, and to have a voice and to make a difference and having the platform through your local association, different affordable housing groups, um, coalitions, we're, the, we're stakeholders, right? Our residents, our clients, ourselves as operators. And so 
we all have to get involved. You know, what's, I, I loved it um, earlier. I caught a clip of you earlier telling uh, one of the guests that um, we all have to make a difference every day in what we do. And it's so true as operators. It's actually a duty in my mind rather than um, anything else because we're in a position to change housing and um, as housing providers. So um, that that's a real privilege. And that's where the reward is, is when you you uh, take those steps and um, team up with other folks and, and uh, the industry to really make a difference. You're definitely passionate. Uh, how do you get passionate about legislation and com- those issues? Sometimes <laughs> it can seem like very high details, in many cases, slow moving, uh, a lot of things that you've got to pull together to, to make things happen. So um, what do you use to, to stay passionate about that? Well, um, I, what I, I think it's the result that the end result of the legislation. I, um, I didn't want to have anything to do in my early, early career with legislation. I wanted to just be involved in all the other, all the other committees, but it wasn't until I started learning more about um, how much our senators and legislators need our voice. They don't know. They need, they're counting on us to educate them. And it was when I first realized that, that, um, I decided I, I have to really get involved and, um, and be part of that, of that movement. And, you know, we're, we're really facing a severe housing affordability crisis. And before, if you were to tell me housing affordability, what is, you know, I would, I would only think about maybe, um, a HUD, a HUD property or a, a low income site. And then, and that's not the case. We have, you know, with COVID in this financial crisis has really put such a spotlight on housing affordability. And um, this has been a crisis for years and years, but now it's exponentially worse because of COVID. And, you know, each state has its own challenges. But um, for example, every year, Washington state alone um is behind by 10,000 units. We need an extra 10,000 units annually here. Um, in New York, it's 9,000. And in Arizona, 17,000. But California, 47,000. So that's how many units that we need to build each year. And um, there's so many barriers to housing that we, that we need to overcome um, and work on because uh, it's, it's it, it's a severe crisis. Mm-hmm. Is, is the conversation happening around the technology going into making some of those changes accelerate? I I, I know that I've spent many many times at um, innovation conferences where the technology is there to to build affordable homes and and um, at speed and at scale, um, but then they they get into uh, local districts and 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 you know things get plans get flattened things get slowed down and and that's where we get this you know we're, we can't keep up with the numbers um mm-hmm. is anybody having that technology conversation around these legislative issues oh absolutely well well technology and how we approach well new- part of part of affordable housing is making it affordable to build it you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's, you look globally and they're, they're building properties. 
in days, right? In days. Uh, and tiny homes, um, yeah, those, yeah, that. homes and kits. I just read an article about um, a really great um, home product that was, I, I believe, about fifty thousand dollars to create these the tiny homes. And I um, even if you have an opportunity to tour them uh, with very very nice finishes and uh, uh, you know as far as the the package, um, but we're not only talking about how to build quicker, less costs. Lumber is um, still such an, such an issue, construction costs, um, but how to build quicker, but also build denser. So that's where the legislation comes in as well is um, how do we think about reform, uh, uh, zoning reform? And uh, one of the initiatives right now that we're speaking with our legislators on is um, the YIMBY Act. And that means yes in my backyard. Um, and over the years, we've really had to combat the um, NIMBYism, not in my backyard. And so part of this bill is uh, requ would require um, participants of, the, of a grant called, um, um, it's, it's called the CBD, CDBG, excuse me, the Community Development Block Grant. And so it would require them to do reporting annually on how they're working towards improving density to allow more high density and um, extend the zoning for multifamily. Um, uh, if you think about it, we're not living in the 50s any, any longer with, with a you know, one and a half acre um, lot sizes. We just, we just have to think differently. Um, we need to create more middle housing. There's something that I read recently called hyper-local zoning. And uh, the idea was that it would be part of um, state or state and local zoning reform, but you would, you would give local governments street streets and blocks the right to decide whether how much more density they would want in their neighborhood. Um, I mean, that, and that's an extreme example, but um, just thinking about how can we create more um, accessible dwelling units or um, triplex, duplex, uh, um, detached uh, accessible dwelling units, and then um, create that legislation to help support that. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Hyper local, it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can imagine. That's like uh, homeowners associations, isn't it? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about. Let's go back to where we are today. In the, do you see a certain area of concentration or one area over the other that's struggling more with the benefits that that are needed or the rental assistance, or is it concentrated pretty much throughout? No. Um, Okay, so with this distribution, there are some challenges um, that we're... Does it, does it go equally to each state, or is it, how is it, I guess, transferred? No, in, in fact, um, it's, it, it, um, each state has um, its, its certain allocation, but then it gets funneled down through um, the state to the local cities and counties. And that's where... Um, we can run into a little bit of a um, complication because while some of the providers are being allowed to um, 
request the funds on behalf of the residents and other jurisdictions are not allowing that. Um, and so uh, that's why we're watching it very closely because we need to utilize the funds um, and or, or then they will no longer be, they will no longer be available. And yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What's the call to action for leaders today? Get involved, get involved. Um, there's a really great, um, one great thing that's happened from COVID that's impacted legislation is the ability for you to be able to um, speak on behalf of um, our industry virtually. So before where we would go to the Hill and meet in person, um, you can you can do that virtually. And um, uh, there's also what's called voter voice. And so um, your local affiliate will have a, a government affairs uh, director or program that can help guide you. But um, there's really there's no reason why we can't all get involved. And the more volume that we have on any given topic, the more um, power um, that and, and more persuasive that becomes. Um, so um, I would say get involved and, and educate yourself so that you can educate uh, your your clients and then um, and your local senators and your you know representatives. Yeah. Well, it's been a wealth of information. Getting involved, government affairs. I love that. So. I think it's that first step. Some people don't know that they can do it. And I, I love the idea that you're saying you can get involved virtually. Maybe that's the the thing that activates more people because they were, you know, not traveling and maybe they couldn't um, get out of the office. That's right. Well, last year we had uh, approximately 300 people that uh, go to the Hill and, and participate with Advocate and I, um, that we've already had over 900 uh, this year, uh, participate virtually in the in the advocate program, and then um, each state will be setting up their meetings, uh, you know, through this week and next week with with their specific reps. So, I mean, that that's very powerful. And so, uh, there's no time better than now to get involved and try to um, be a part of solutions for our housing housing affordability and um, to create um, assistance for housing crisis, financial crisis. Yeah. Well, this has been a great time to share together. Uh, I wish wish we could, uh, well, I, I don't know that I could go all day on legislation. It, it's a hard topic for me because, you know, you, if you don't understand it, it's hard to, you know, appreciate it. And I like what you said about, you know, at first I wasn't really, you know, um, excited about legislative things and I'll do all these committees, but not that. And then once you got into it, you started to learn the impact that can be made by having and stepping up to be a leader. And now you're passionate about it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and I'm sure your organization can appreciate that because you're protecting their uh, as, you know, real estate investments and, and all the things that they do to make their world go around. So this has been awesome. I would love to uh, connect again, probably offline. But um, until then, uh, any final thoughts you want to leave our viewers with? Uh, well, thanks, Patrick. I, I really appreciate that you have a forum uh, to bring all of us together. And um, right now, um, that's really what we need is strength in numbers and uh, one unified voice and uh, so it's a real privilege, and um, I hope everyone takes a step to get involved and uh, create change. 
Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you. Have a great night. Thank you for showing up again for the industry. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Multifamily Innovation Show. For show notes and other resources, visit multifamilyinnovation.com.